Newsbreak podcast. Very good afternoon to you. Welcome to Newsbreak Talk. I'm Tadesh Hari Prashad and we're providing you today with a very important dissection of another another big issue that everybody was was talking about. I think there was just a lot of, what's the word? I think hysteria would be a good word to use. Um, all over media, social media, various conversations and corridors and, and I think some panic even raised by some consumers. Well, over a year ago, uh, Nathan Ganes was gunned down in his driveway. But the insurance company that he was with, Momentum, decided not to pay out his life cover because in 2014, when he purchased the policy, there was no disclosure of his high blood sugar level. But I think the argument from the family was that they were victims of crime and that was something that they could not control. So surely taking that into account, uh, the need for life cover should step in and um, you know uphold the end of the bargain. The tussle continued. We went to the Ombudsman Insurance event and after a media storm this week, Momentum decided to pay an amount equal to the death benefit. This is limited to a maximum of 3 million rand in the case of violent crime regardless of previous medical history. So that basically was um, what happened and what it has since done was just created a lot of questions questions about um, your insurance policy. What do you have? What have you informed them about? You know, where does this currently sit? So let's not waste too much of time with trying to understand exactly where we are. Let's get into some research that I've done on the topic today. And I think the most important one was, um, you know, hearing directly from Momentum themselves and um, the, 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 the discussion, um, you know, Took on the no, took on this particular trajectory where the company didn't pay out the the, the insurance policy as we've we've explained. Um, CEO of uh, insurance at Momentum Life, Johan uh, Leroux, um, managed to make the time to speak to the SABC. According to Leroux, the insurer did not have the relevant information to determine the correct policy for Nathan Ganes. However, the question that did remain at that stage was, um, is this not just another attempt of an insurer trying to not pay out a legitimate claim? And that was a question that Metsi van der Merwe put forward through to um, Johan Leroux, he's from Momentum Insurance Life. So I think from a Momentum perspective, we obviously disappointed with the perception that we do not pay claims. In fact, I can categorically state that it is our intent. There's nothing worse for any claims assessor not to admit a claim. I can just say that. In this case, it was a really difficult situation, a very difficult decision for us to make. The family really are going through quite a traumatic time and our empathy and condolences are certainly with them. But it does relate to a case of material non-disclosure when the client applied for insurance and when we assessed the claim, even though the claim event was completely unrelated to a medical condition, we realized that the client didn't disclose fully uh, his medical uh, condition when he applied for the policy and when we analyzed the medical results, it became clear that we would not have issued the case. In other words, the policy should never have existed. Right. What is happening with the case now? Because I know it's been to the Ombudsman for insurance. Yeah. Just understand the Ombudsman is an independent body. Any client that feels that any insurer has not dealt with their claim appropriately can approach the Ombudsman. 
Momentum Life CEO there for insurance, Johan LaRue. Um, and I think subsequent to that conversation, of course, that conversation was just to under identify and put into perspective a momentum standpoint with regard to the initial uh, response that was given to the uh, Ganesh family. Um, and this was the response that we got, you know, post the decision to pay the family out. And this was the response again from CEO of Momentum Life Insurance, uh, Johan Leroux. The principle of proper disclosure when a client takes a policy uh, still stands. It is very important principle and we can't compromise that principle because it makes premiums unaffordable. So we did realize we need to find a solution for this specific issue and that's why we designed a brand new almost um, uh, you know, guarantee that we offer to clients. And by making this retrospectively applicable, we can now also make payment to Mrs. Ganesh. So that's basically what happened. So I think, you know, you know what we do here on Newsbreak Talk. We identify the issue and from there we move on. We move on to how it affects you. What changes could you learn about this into your own life? So now our conversation moves away from momentum. I don't actually want to uh, directly mention um you know, I think any insurance company right now, I want to go forward and talk to you about general insurance tips. The issue of disclosure has come out quite greatly. What is your responsibility as a consumer buying an insurance policy to disclose all vital information to the insurer on a sustained basis? Meaning if you took out a policy in 2010, maybe at 2020, you would still need to update that policy now, even um annually for, for that matter. So we want to talk about that. And we uh, did, um, you know, make contact with Professor Dilip Garaj and he managed to uh, provide us with some sort of tips in terms of what to look at as we go about, uh, you know, taking our conversation forward. It's something that you need to keep uh, in mind as you go about listening to our conversation right now. Okay, Professor, let's, let's go into it. And, you know, what are the disclosure requirements regarding um, your health when taking out insurance? Well, firstly, we must understand that a life policy is different to that of an investment policy that would normally take out of an insurance company. In the case of a life policy, it is compulsory for you to disclose the, the status of your health. The kind of questions that they ask you are things like uh, questions about your heart, your lungs, your kidney, your muscles, your joints, your ear, your nose, your throat, your eyes. You also ask questions about whether you are diabetic, uh, whether you have any kind of cancer, whether you suffer from high blood pressure, whether you have high cholesterol levels. Uh, those are the kind of questions we ask you. We also ask you, do you take any kind of drugs or medication? And for all of that, you must make full disclosure. Further to that, they ask you questions about your habits. Do you smoke? Do you drink? How many cigarettes a day do you smoke? How many glasses of wine do you drink? And then finally, they also have a catch-all question. They ask you, do you have any kind of illness that you that you have not disclosed in the application that you would like to tell us? So you can see it is pretty comprehensive. You need to disclose everything about your health before they even consider you for insurance. Is it important to disclose the health conditions of your parents or siblings? Yes, it is. Family history plays quite a key role I mean, uh, from a genetic point of view. Uh, you know, has your father or mother or siblings suffered from any hereditary kind of diseases or suffered from any major kind of condition under the age of 60? So things like if your parents suffered from cancer uh, or siblings, diabetes or blood pressure and so on. 
Uh, if your family has suffered from any of these diseases, then what happens is that the insurance company will require you to do further blood tests and other kind of tests to check whether you will be prone to these kind of illnesses later. Yeah, those are just, I think, some of the basic tips they're given by economist Professor Dilip Garaj to you with regard to what goes into um, aspects of disclosure, specifically from a health perspective. So let's take the conversation forward now and get more information on this very, very important topic today in uh, on Newsbreak Talk. And I'm very happy to be joined today in studio by Mr. Anwar Khan. He's, of course, an insurance expert and providing expert insurance advice and solutions. Um, he tells me for the past 35 years. So I think we've got quite a, quite a chief uh, expert joining us in studio today. Mr. Khan, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. And I mean, we've put it into we've put it into perspective now in terms of you know what we're talking about. Let's get straight into it. And the issue of disclosure. Um, I, I first want to ask this because I think what came through very strongly from media, from audiences, consumer, social media was that while I've as a consumer has the responsibility to provide full disclosure, my insurer needs to understand the nature of life, the fact that I could be gunned down. And that's got nothing to do with the fact that I picked up a muscle spasm disease over the years that I didn't disclose. Your thoughts on that balance? Okay, first of all, I think uh, there should not be any, um, you know, um, uh, what are uh, the panic yeah. that uh, people are panicking at the moment? You know, and <laughs> I, think I think that's uh, important to start yeah. there. So I think people should not panic and and start to um, you know uh, lapse their policies mm. and because a, a certain company did not do their duties and pay or whatever. But mm. I think it's important for um, like the professor mentioned earlier on that um, disclosures, your material disclosures, it's so important. Because our material disclosures are meaning with, with your health. Your yep. health is vital. Your health. Then your occupation. Then comes your smoking status. Then comes your education. And your, well, come to your occupation. Your occupation has got so many things. You could be a, a carpenter. Mm -hmm. You could be a motor mechanic. You can be an airline a mm. pilot. Mm. So these things have uh, detriment effects in terms of an underwriter making uh, decisions. So in your application form, uh, beside your health, there are other disclosures that you will have to provide. Um, uh, underwriters are people that where once they receive your application, now they got to look at it and see after your application is given to them, they look into your application and see all the relevant uh, uh, questions have been answered yeah. accordingly. And if they require more information, they will actually request it. And that's why they request your, your lab test, mm -hmm. um, your, your clinical advices, uh, your, your pro, uh, advice records from your, from your doctors. So we, we as brokers, I think we have to take time a little and, and explain to clients how important it is. Yeah. Now, I think from this saga that has taken place, it's going to, to open the eyes of many uh, policyholders. Yeah. Is to you know, I think... And while that, that disclosure is so important in terms of fully putting it through, going through all those tests, and, and we even went through a list there with Professor Garaj, uh, the question is, you know, say over the years, something changes. Maybe five years ago, you didn't smoke when you took that policy and everything is great now. Mm. Five years later, maybe you've become a chain smoker based okay. on whatever condition. Um, and I'd imagine, and I'm preempting this on the consumer's part, but from market research, you know, we've done constantly um, 
a consumer would be a bit scared to come forward and disclose that because that's going to mean I've got to pay a bit more on the premium. And as a result, it leaves, I think, both parties now in a precarious mm. position. Mm. That's correct. So, so let's look at it. How, how, how would you want your contract to be? Because remember, the, 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 the benefits that you have got there, there is twofold to your benefits. You must remember your benefits are based on that one is that where when you pass away, your benefit on the debt benefit was going to be paid to your family. That is not going to take, it's going to help them out. Yeah. Right? It is in the layman term. And the other thing is the other benefit is going to be whereby you might have a heart attack, you might have a stroke, uh, you might get cancer. So the, the, the course that we look at from any uh, applicant is that if there's any change taking place in your life, like you started smoking, like you mentioned, please advise the call your broker in and say, mm -hmm. listen, I started smoking. Would you like to record this in? Yeah. Will it make an effect uh, uh, into my premiums? I would suggest that you better make a, 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 a change in your premium yeah. than having a, a non-disclosure at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? I, I want to ask though about, uh, you know, d uh, surely insurance, specifically life covers, have the capacity there, uh, capacity there for dreaded disease, mm. which then means that if you acquire something over the years, you have a surely or is there a built-in mechanism for that you know to to cover you should you pick up something that isn't necessarily disclosed or picked up on the policy okay, good question now insurance companies work like this when you make an application mm. up till the time of the application okay all your 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 material disclosures in terms of your health and your occupation has to be declared. Mm. Has to be declared up to that time. Mm. Anything after that. Yeah. So if you get cancer after that, you right. get stroke after that, it's it's got no concern. Yeah. There, the insurance company was only concerned about at the time of the application and if the contract was issued. Did you disclose that to us? Mm. That is the vital mm. thing. After that, it's not a problem. Mm. They're not going to really worry you. Mm. But like you said about smoking, you know, that's a common thing today. Sometimes what happens, you might have a non-smoker, he applied for his contract and he's got it issued as a non-smoker because mm. there is a premium difference yeah. there, yeah. right? Now he started to smoke, you yeah. know, and that is going to make a, 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 a concern now. Yeah. So it is important for you yeah. to get hold of your yeah. call. You know, and I think we've been spending this great deal of time talking about health because yeah. it is a major thing. Um, and I think if we look at, you know, within the context of this particular situation that, you know, brought us here today, um, the issue at hand, um, that wasn't health. That was life happening. You know, uh, I may have this dreaded condition now, or I may not have disclosed my blood sugar or diabetic level um, at that point. But right now, uh, my life has been compromised by something completely unrelated, which is crime. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to that, do insurance, uh, you know, organizations factor that in? Crime versus health, because crime could strike anybody, the healthy or the unhealthy. Yeah. Okay, there's two parts now. You must mm. remember one thing. What, what insurance companies are looking for is that how, when the time when you made that application, did you disclose all the, the relevant facts? And that's your first point of it. Okay, yes. The question is that he, a person might not die due to ill health. He might die to unnatural causes. Mm. And that is very, very important now, right? But you must remember, if... If the application, in, in the application you made all the relevant facts, 
then your application would have had twofold. It could have been declined. You understand? And then mm. you might have an accident. You might have the crime written. Then there is no policy there, you yeah. see? So what, what is the insurer telling you? See, at the time, you did not give us all the information. So we, if you did give us the information, we would have made uh, informed decisions, mm -hmm. okay? Or we could have loaded the policy. You could have paid a higher premium, okay? So they have a little bit uh, a leeway in that condition. But yes, he died of unnatural causes. Mm -hmm. We understand that. You see, so there are maybe insurance companies might not look at that thing and say, oh, it's fine, you know, he didn't die due to his, it's, un, it's an unnatural situation, we can pay you. But yeah. we're looking at inverted commas. When you made the application, the underwriter at that time would have said to, to the, the, uh, the, the broker or the, uh, the, the client, listen, unfortunately, your case cannot go through. This mm -hmm. applicant cannot go through. Oh, you're going to be loaded at a hundred percent rate. Do mm. you accept or don't you accept? Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting tips that we're trying to provide you today as we learn from. Uh, I think the issue that was. So I think we moved away from that issue now, and we are just uh, completely focused on your future with regard to insurance, what you need to know about your existing policy, what you need to know about an upcoming policy. And um, it, it, it's just basically information sharing. And we're going to open up the phone lines in a short while. But first, I want to go to Jennifer Price, the Deputy Long-Term Insurance Ombud, who's so graciously made the time to talk to us today. Jennifer, thanks for your time. Good afternoon. Jennifer, I think it was it, it, it's so important to have you on the line because, of course, the ombud serves as that voice of reason and that voice of you know um, clarity between I think consumer and uh, you know insurance provider. Um, and I want to pick it up on this particular point, Jennifer. We've been talking a lot about the issue of disclosure, about why you need to disclose uh, your particular you know status, whether it's health or lifestyle, um, what is required, etc. I want to ask you though, say you've, um, you know, hypothetically, after disclosing everything you needed, whether it is your health, your lifestyle, your risks, um, and if you lose your life by none of the above that you've so, you know, clearly um, disclosed, how does that, um, how does that impact on the payout? Um, you're breaking up, but I think you're asking um, if you've disclosed everything um, at application stage um, truthfully and everything is in, um, why would the cause of the claim and standing you correctly not be taken into account? Yes, yes. Um, I think um, the person who was speaking before explain that what is important in insurance is not the connection between the disclosure and the cause of the claim. What is important is whether the insurer would have issued the policy or not. So in a particular situation, if the insurer would not have uh, issued the policy at all, there would never have been a contract, you wouldn't have had cover. So that is what we have to look at, whether the non-disclosed information, if one takes it into account now, whether the insurer would in the first place have contracted with you. Uh, the, the state of the law is that if somebody non-discloses material information, and it has to be material, um, the insurer can repudiate. 
But in the office of the Ombudsman for Long-Term Insurance, we apply our fairness jurisdiction and we say to the insurer, you have to reconstruct the policy. So you have to look at what you would have done had you known all this information. Would you actually have issued a policy and would you have loaded the policy? And if yeah, the insurer yeah. says, yes, we would have loaded the policy, then you say, do that now at claim stage. Mm. But if the insurer says, we would never have issued the policy, um, when it's asked for uh, a delay, because insurers sometimes do, uh, from an underwriting perspective, then we cannot ask them to pay the claim because they would never have issued the policy. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer, on that note, and then, and, and, you know, like I, uh, I'm a, I'd. Um You've joined us now, and, and I think when I started off the broadcast, I said I really wanted to be an absolute, um, you know, information sharing session in terms of what goes into deciding and, and creating a policy, what goes into deciding an actual payout. Um, so I think my question to you is going to be very simple at all points, and I want to ask you now, um, what, um, you know, criteria could be used then to not grant a particular cover or to grant a particular cover at a higher cost or a particular cost? Well, the insurer assesses the risk and they use criteria that they are given by the insurers often in that assessment. Um, and if they look at the disclosures that are made, they look at health, they look at um, habits, they look at where you work, um, they obviously look at the amount of cover that you want. Um, and then they decide based on that um, what the premium is going to be, whether they will offer to cover at all, whether they need more information, so for instance, send you for further medical tests, etc. Um, and then they decide whether they will grant you cover, they, if they make you an offer um, in the form of a quote, um, or at least it's an invitation for you to make an offer and say, yes, I want this um, cover. And then once they receive that, that application form with all that information, they then accept the, the policy. Or sometimes they will actually make you a counter-offer if more information comes about. Yeah. And up to that point when the policy has commenced, up to that stage you have a, a duty of disclosure. And it's very important um, for your listeners to know that until the policy has actually commenced, that duty of disclosure continues. Mm. After the policy has been, the duty stops, except maybe something like smoking that you have to tell them about. Um, but that is how the insurer assesses it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when we get a non-disclosure case in our office, and we have to look at the non-disclosure, we ask, we ask ourselves in the first instance, was this non-disclosure? And the test that you applied to see whether it was material you ask, ask ourselves whether um, a reasonable, prudent person has disclosed this information. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll pause it at that point. Jennifer, the Deputy Long-Term Insurance Ombud, joining us on the line. Stay with us. I think at, I think the conversation is going to get a bit more um, tangible as we take input from you. So it's your turn now to call us. It's 089-310-8789. Remember, we are dissecting various um, insurance, long-term insurance issues. You can bring in the short term as well because we do want this to be an in information sharing session. We want to ask and address... Um, 
whatever you'd like to try our best to get you some answers and uh, some tips if 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 in terms of disclosure in terms of i think even holding your insurer to account um you know maintaining that constant link with them so that if, no matter what is thrown your way you're always prepared for it so call us at 9310-8789 when my home wasn't safe i found a family here i found the courage to go from the street to the stage a chance to shine once i didn't even have food to eat but here i am truly nourished and nurtured for us girls and boys town is not just another shelter here we are given hope when we need it most we are given the power to make our dreams possible help us youth leave a legacy we can all be proud of by supporting us at girlsandboystown.org.za this is an SABC foundation supported initiative Join the party on Top Billing this Sunday night at 8 as choreographer Takis Maswangani introduces her baby daughter Sana and launches a sizzling new swimwear range. We take a pastry masterclass with world-renowned chef Karim Bolji and reveal who's got the look that rules them all at the SA Style Awards. That's Top Billing Sunday night at 8. Repeat Tuesday at 3:30 on SABC3. The views and opinions expressed on Newsbreak Talk do not represent those of SABC News or Lotus FM. I also have a very important request. It's very important and I really want you to adhere to this, okay? Please do not mention any insurance provider. We're not dealing specifically with brands, companies and what you've gone through uh in terms of naming them because ultimately we don't have those companies here to respond and and and, and you know provide them the chance to, to to respond to what you're saying. Go ahead and speak about your issue in detail, but please do not mention any names. If I could just get that assurance from you. To the phone lines we go Selvin on the line. Hello Selvin. Hi, hi. Good afternoon to you, Tarek. How are you? I am well. Uh, I don't know, I've been speaking with Professor Ganache as well this week, mm-hmm. and he told me that certain aspects I must highlight. Firstly, I will concentrate on the uh, aspects you mentioned about smoking later and not disclosing. However, just to confirm there, if death was caused through smoking and you didn't disclose it, then there's an issue. For, for instance, if you are a non-smoker at the time of taking it and you subsequently cut smoking, and smoking caused your death. The other issue is, Johan from Momentum, the CEO, he spoke about, had they known about the diabetes, they would not have uh, uh, given the policy. The, I've been, as you know, in the industry for 33 years. There were cases where people were diabetic, and in view of the advanced technology in modern medicine, uh, people can now live a long life by treating themselves. So I have insurance companies that have given my clients policies, even though they were diabetic. depending on the stage of the uh, diabetes like stage 1 say so if it's not too serious and one cannot uh, de- uh, deprive the person the last one was the habits question uh, spoken about by the lady from the ombuds there was a case currently where a lady's husband who is now late was requested to supply the habits question here in view of his alcohol consumption and uh, he did not submit the habits question and subsequently passed on Now, legally and technically, the policy was not accepted. So when he pre-deceased her, the insurance company didn't pay. Their point was that no one asked for the habits questionnaire. The broker was not around. So what I'm saying is, habits questionnaire doesn't actually mean a good habit. We're talking about a negative habit, smoking and drinking. And then uh, I want to give in my personal input. Always the people who are listening in of South Africa ensure that your advisor stands by you when a claim arises. Please ensure a new question is done 
the advisor does a record of advice and shows you an SSP number so that when you have a claim, you're dealing with an authorized service provider. If you deal with someone irregular and unauthorized, you cannot claim later. Yeah, that point yeah. I must emphasize. Yeah. That is the other important issue is never ever let an advisor to make you sign a blank form. Because you yeah. can fill in the wrong things there and you are the victim. Okay. All application forms must be fully. The last point I want to make, this is very important. There was a lady who husband died. His medical aid and the insurance was in the same company. When he died, they refused to pay. But she told the insurance company, but you have my medical aid. You knew my husband's medical history. Their argument was, sorry, although we own the medical aid industry, the company, your deal was with the insurance sector. And that claim was repudiated. So basically, I'm going to give the adults a chance. I don't know if it's brought up most of the issues as well. The underwriting. People must always remember underwriting is done two times. One time at the time of taking the policy, and the other is when a claim arises. Yeah. Selvin, I'm going to leave it there with you, Selvin. I think you've given me enough to take the conversation forward with. Selvin, thanks very much for the call. We really appreciate your input. Mr. Pillay is on the line. Hello, Mr. Pillay. Hello. Good day, sir, to you guys. Mm. Uh, just a quick question. <clears throat> I've taken out a dreaded disease on an insurance company in the year 2000. And in a dreaded disease, I've been diagnosed with... Uh, chronic kidney failure and I'm still stage. But when I went to apply uh, <laughs> for the disease, they turned me down because they said I need to go for dialysis in order for that to be, uh, uh, for them to pay me out. Now, <laughs> when I took the policy, does it say kidney failure you will get? But I'm hmm. third stage kidney failure and I won't pay out. Yeah, yeah. So they want me to be in my dying bed before they pay out. I understand. So when I took it in 2000, they, they just said kidney failure, they'll pay you out. So I didn't know in the later stage I'm going yeah. to get this chronic yeah. kidney failure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I understand your point. Okay, that, that's, my, uh, yeah. that's my point. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Let's go to our next call, Mrs. Naidu. Hello, Mrs. Naidu. Good, uh, good day to you all. Mm. Hi, ma'am. Okay. I, I'm also, but this is your funeral cover. Okay. Can I go through? Sure. I had the first one. I want you to I mustn't mention the name. Yeah, it's don't. a big company. It mm. was. I took a joint policy, my husband and I. When my husband passed away, they told that I haven't got a client, I mean, a policy. They declined me. Then I went to another one. So I took there while after my husband. Then I paid quite long and you know uh, um, uh, our money was going through the bank and yeah. now when the FAFSA card came you know I don't know my age I just forgot one month so second month I thought about it and I phoned them yeah. uh, second or third month and they said oh your thing is declined now because you never I said see I made a mistake because I was in the bank and when the FAFSA card came, I didn't know that I must go and pay. But y'all didn't even phone me, and you can't just decline me like that. Yeah, and, yeah. and then, after that, I had no policy. Now I had to, I'm going go to Chatsworth to pay, to pay so much of money. Is that right? Mm. Shame, I understand the point there. Thanks so much, ma'am. We're going to talk about the issue of lapsing policies um, as well. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Anonymous is on the line. Hello, Anonymous. Hello, good day. Hi. 
Hello. Please go ahead, yes. Yes, it's Mr. Chetty, yes. Sorry, my son took a policy about three years ago. He's a youngster. You know, he, he had a heart attack. He was insured with three other companies. When it was time for them to pay out, they disclosed and said no, they could not pay out. They wanted his business records. And the button refused him. Uh, when he started smoking, he notified them. And they said it's fine. They picked up his policy. Up to today, he's still waiting to get paid. Because of because of them wanting his business records? Yes, they gave him everything. They, his business report, the tax report, the broker had you know, everything up to date. When he started smoking, the policy went up. Yeah. But uh, three of the major insurance companies uh, did not pay him because he went to a heart attack where they fitted him with a peacemaker. Yeah. And it went to the Bartman's and Bartman's uh, refused it. So what do we do from here now? Yeah. Because I, he's still paying for discovering medical help. Okay, how, uh, how old is your son? Now he's 24. It happened at 21. He, mm. he didn't have no sickness at all. He's a fit guy. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll try and discuss that and try and get some uh, comment. I'll remind you again, please do not mention any, um, you know, brands of, of um, insurance products on air. Basil is from Port Shepston. Hello, Basil. Hello, uh, boss. The problem is I had a life insurance. It, it was active for 30 years and then I had a heart attack in 2000. They paid me out a certain sum. And then they said they will pay the premiums, okay? And the policy at that time, the value was 300000 But they said they will pay the premiums. But the value of the policy up till today is still 300000 I cannot understand. If they were going to pay the premiums, the policy should, should have grown every year. Are you with me, boss? Yeah, I understand your question. Yeah, okay. Well, Basil, thanks for that. We're going to dissect that in a short while. So there you go, lots coming through. We're going to go to the phone lines again in a short while. But I want to take some of these concerns through to our experts currently. And let's um, let's let's check in quickly with Jennifer Price, the Deputy Long-Term Insurance Ombud, um, who's just giving us some general information with regard to... Um, you know, insurance before we dissect it further with Anwar Khan, the insurance expert joining us in studio. Uh, Jennifer, I think quite a lot there. I wonder how much of it you've heard. Um, I think I want to ask you a general question and not necessarily dissect each one with you based on the uh, connection issue that we've uh, had a little bit. But I want to ask you, you know, in terms of maintaining a communication link with your insurance, um, because what's come through, and I'm just paraphrasing a lot of these issues before I dissect them in detail um, is I wasn't aware of this and I wasn't told about this and I disclosed this but then this I wasn't told that this was what was needed or not needed I get the sense that a lot of people are not on the same page with their brokers or insurance providers hi Jennifer Okay, I think we've seemed to have lost Jennifer due to that connection issue that, um, that we were having. Um, let's, as we try and you know reestablish connection, let's let's move over to Mr. Anwar Khan, of course, our insurance expert in studio. So much, so much, so much happening there in terms of um, the questions coming through. Let's just put that question that I just put through to Jennifer through to you. 
is there a sense that everybody's not on the same page and you can't blame anybody for that it's so much of technical as you say underwriting is, is such a process um, but you really get the sense that there's almost a disconnect yeah well, well it just goes to show that you know many clients uh, when when they talk to their br- brokers or their advisors have need they need to now you know probe into more information from them uh, in terms of the definition of the benefits that they they want to get and obviously um, from it will differ from company to company the the benefits have got different issues um, some of them are um, not has a, a, a payout in a hundred percent for example your dreaded disease comes in but Coming back to the point of uh, um, uh, giving disclosures, the, everything is about uh, how how you relate and, and provide information. Yeah. Because uh, from that information, there's a lot that can come out to it in terms of uh, where where the the underwriter now will say, well, "Look, I require more information." But there were some mentions, I think, about payouts. Uh, those are on merits. We, we we don't know what sort of uh, yeah. you know how was that that application. Yeah. We don't know the type of policy that was taken yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, it's very difficult yeah. to to make uh, you know sure. assumptions. Sure. So, so so let's just try and go through some of the hypothetical examples. I mean, I know Selvin said you know if you've if if you've um, taken a policy and um, you know in in, in terms of. Um, we mentioned already dis- disclosing your habits, etc. But um, I think this was an interesting one. You know, somebody who took through a policy in 2000 uh, for um, dreaded d- disease uh, and was covered for kidney failure, but was told, well, we'll only pay you if you go to the dialysis level. And the person says, I'm not yet at di- dialysis level, but I've got a kidney failing problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just very technical. Yeah. So, like I said to you before, you know, the thing is that uh, each company will will defer on its its benefits, and unfortunately, we don't know the type of benefit that was given, even though it was mentioned that it was a dreaded disease. But uh, I would I would say that uh, going forward, all clients now who have policies and who have got benefits in that contracts is to get hold of their advisors and and revisit this, and and start to get more clarity on each product and uh, each benefits as well because obviously um, it seems that uh, we as South Africans we are concerned at the moment um, in terms of uh, non-disclosures and, and, and there is no payouts but um, insurance companies pay out every day you know we in the business for a long time and we make uh, claims we get paid all the time it's a very small percentage that has got non-disclosures and then those small percentage obviously has got uh, somewhere along the line, there's been a, 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 a miss in in terms of the um, the uh, the information was not provided at the time. But at the same time, too, I just want to make mention, you know, uh, uh, hazardous uh, occupation in terms of uh, sports, uh, and and there's a lot of people that uh, that play sports as well. Um, they go to deep sea diving, uh, they go to uh, deep sea fishing, and and sometimes they say to the the, the broker, listen, you know what? It is just for uh, I do it uh, once in a while. Uh, 
Yeah. So, so, so I don't have to mention that. Do I have to mention? You have to mention everything. Mm. I think the question but, is. But, there. but, but some advice for this particular uh, gentleman who says, "Well, I, you know, I've, I'm, I've diagnosed with kidney failure. I'm going through a third stage, but I'm not a dialysis level yet." Uh, any advice, recourse? Well, you know, he's got the he's got the, the position of going to the ombudsman and mm. showing them the the exact uh, you know his his case forward that is yeah. why we do have an ombudsman yeah. uh, in terms of that they look at the case from uh, for the for the client and they see is it relevant uh, yeah. you know he has got a relevant claim or not absolutely so because it's, obviously you know it's going to be from case to case absolutely uh, we had a, a i think a very impassioned lady and she sounded like a senior citizen and what i gathered from that was that the policy lapsed Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the Sasa changeover. She in- indicated something about that, and and it left her in a in, in a dire predicament. Mm-hmm. Um, any special kind of um, affordances for the senior citizen in terms of this kind of issue? Yeah. Okay. So so, so maybe how long did she have the contract? You see, that's mm-hmm. another first thing. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Is I had a case um, about uh, a month ago where a, a, a client of mine. And um, the policy did lapse, but she's a 10 years old contract with us. And when a policy lapsed, um, the, the, the premiums were not paying because she had a tragedy in the family. So we put a motivation through to the company and the company looked at that and they said, no, sure. If there was no tragedy, then the, the premium would have been uh, paid into the bank for the debit order to go through. So just, mm-hmm. just that. Uh, it, because of the tragedy, so there was no problem. They have, uh, uh, re, uh, you know, they reinstated the policy. Yeah. So it's all depending on on how the client, uh, you know, can go and put the case forward. And I'm sure the the insurance companies are always there to to to, uh, hmm. to look at advice. This is particularly it. interesting. A gentleman at 21 years old having that heart attack, and he says three, you know, insurance um, companies are not paying out. He's disclosed everything. He's updated hmm. his policies. He says. Hmm. That one is looking like there has to be something technical within that policy. Mm. But again, when something like this happens, it almost, you know, creates the sense uh, that that panic, which you, you know, started off by saying people don't panic. But when you hear stories like this, you just think, do should I even be taking out that in, insurance cover for my, you know, for, for dreaded disease or, or, or illness? Because even if it strikes, I have mm. to prove that it has struck. Yeah. Okay, so then that is why I said earlier on that you have your ombudsman now. So you need to go and, and, and say to your ombudsman, put up your case with him and let them uh, now look at uh, the, and, and just deal with the insurance companies that, that have been, uh, you know, yeah. uh, refusing to pay. Yeah. But uh, like I said to you, uh, we don't know the case study. We don't know yeah. uh, how this is, uh, you know, in, in what yeah. grounds will they not pay. Yeah. But we know as an advisor, if you have a heart attack, it will pay. Uh, if you have cancer, it'll pay. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So I'm going to go to WhatsApp because some quite a lot of messages coming through there. But before that, let's wrap up our conversation quickly with Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer, I want to apologize at the outset for this poor audio connection that we seem to be having right now. You're not able to hear much of the conversation correctly. I'm sorry about that. And I just want to um, you know, end off by talking to you because what has come through is almost a disconnect with regard to um, you know, the insurance and you know, the, the policy and the consumer who's taking taken out the policy. So my question to you is, what's the correct advice now to uh, encourage consumers or provide the mechanism for consumers to constantly be aware of what they covered for, what they're disclosing, and so that when, you know, in the eventuality, everybody's on the same page? 
Well, I think in the first place, the one thing that has happened is people are more aware of the need to um, look at their policies, look at their application forms, maybe even to see that they did everything that they should have. Um, and just to be more aware of insurance, I think often when you receive the policy, you just put it in your bottom door and it's only when you have to make a claim that you really look at it again. And maybe this has made people more aware that they need to look at their policies, make sure that they understand what benefits are, make sure that they have disclosed what they should have, yeah. and maybe update also your policy, make yeah, sure that yeah. the informations are current. Jennifer, but it's a, l- it's, 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 a, it's a heavy read, I won't lie. An insurance policy contract is a heavy read, and a lot of it I, 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 I get confused with, and I'm sure many else, many other people do as well. Uh, what's the best way to try and decipher it? Because it's, I think this issue this week has highlighted that you really need to know what you've been covered for. Well, I think that's where an intermediary can help you. You sit down with your intermediary and ask him exactly what you are covered for because you should be or she should be able to interpret it for you. If you're still not sure, to actually contact your insurer and to ask them. If you've purchased the policy directly, then you need to contact the insurer and just make absolutely sure that you know what you are covered for, because otherwise it's going to be a disappointment when you claim. Um, I heard the discussion about the David benefits. Make sure that you actually understand what it is that is covered in that policy. Often it's very specific conditions. It's not all dread diseases as we think about them. So to avoid disappointment in the future, you need to, despite the heavy read, and I issues they're not easy reads, um, just to check on, on that kind of information. Mm. And let's talk about the service that you actually provide there, Jennifer, at the Ombuds. I mean, I've got some, we got some queries here and you didn't listen to it, but we've got the likes of, of a gentleman saying, I took out a dreaded disease cover in 2000 for kidney failure. I disclosed everything. I did get the kidney failure. I'm not on dialysis, but my insurance is telling me now that they'll only pay out if I am on dialysis. And we have another situation where a gentleman is was 21 years old, uh, well, I think at 20, he's 24 now and, a 20, and he took out a policy at 21, disclosed everything, kept, you know, constantly updated it, had a heart attack and now the uh, insurance policies are not paying on. So it seems as if a lot of people, you know, have issues with regard to what's being paid out and what's not going to be paid out. How to contact the Ombud and ensure that um, there's a great deal of consultation and support with regard to getting to the bottom of these kinds of concerns? Well, once you, you've complained to your insurer and if you're not happy with the response from your insurer, then you're free to contact the Ombudsman. It's a free service um, and they can contact us by email or they can contact, they can go on our website, which is and they'll have all our contact details there um, or they can phone us and talk to us. Um, and then what happens is they submit a complaint uh, we send it off to the insurer, we wait for the response, and then we, in the first instance, try to uh, solve it by um, trying to resolve it through uh, a settlement. If that doesn't work, then we make a, a determination. Um, if the determination goes against the insurers, they are bound by our decisions. But against the complainants, they're not bound. Um, they can go to court or they can appeal the decision. And if they are successful in applying for leave to appeal, we get an outside um, 
judge, retired judge, to look at the case. All of this is free. Um, and we bring an, an unbiased eye to the complaint. And we will investigate um, exactly what has happened, yeah. uh, why the claim has been paid. Mm-hmm. And even if in the end the person's claim is not paid, at least they will have the satisfaction of knowing somebody independent with the case. Yeah, yeah. Jennifer, we'll leave it there with you. Jennifer Price, the Deputy Long-Term Insurance Ombud, there talking to us about several issues. www.ombuds.co.za Should you wish to get in more information on how to go about um, setting up a consult there with uh, the Ombud to take these concerns forward. I'm going to go to WhatsApp now and we are going to be dissecting some questions that have come through on WhatsApp. I'm anonymous and why is it that dread disease claim... Um, that a client will receive payment for dread disease like liver failure. He can be lying on a deathbed. There's no, and there's so much of red tape. Even if medical aid proves a liver transplant, approves a liver transplant, the client recovers due to spiritual help and doctor's treatment. Yet does not undergo a liver. Why is the claim declined? Um, I think the issue points to red tape there, doesn't it, Mr. Khan? And I think when you look at a situation like that, it's very much in line with the likes of the issue with the the gentleman who called through with um, the uh, kidney disease. Your your advice in terms of that? Like I said, uh, you know, uh, each case has been, uh, it has to have its own way of merit and to look at. And I think they have to refer it to the ombudsman. And like Jennifer mentioned, that there is so many ways of uh, of going through the process. And obviously, um, you know, uh, cases like these have to come forward and 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 send to the ombudsman. Obviously, I, uh, it seems to me like they have not uh, even spoken to the ombudsman because mm-hmm. if they did so, then obviously that case would have been taken some different uh, yeah. uh, directions. Obviously, mm-hmm. but like I said, why why would you not want to go forward if the insurance company is not paying you? Then you must go forward. There is yeah. a, uh, a law that says that you can go to the ombudsman. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I think when we, when we look at the issue of, of of insurance, it's lifestyle based, and if you look at the issue of actually making a claim, that's also based on lifestyle. If you've um, you know been struck by disability, you've been struck by disease, you know. Yeah. It's incredibly challenging to go in and out and get documents and, and put it through. Uh, in your thoughts on, on, on the process of trying to put a claim through, it's quite a lot of red tape that many people either don't have too much of acumen for or the physical capacity to do it because they're lying in a hospital bed. Okay, then that's why you have your broker and yep. then you can get in touch with your broker. The, one of the family members can get in touch with him and say, look, uh, please assist in this case. And obviously he will take it. He will do the claim form for you. He would be able to send it to the, the company that is involved. And, 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 and on their behalf, he would be able to, to motivate and, and talk about the case. And obviously he will be able to tell them more because oh, there's so many different benefits that are involved in it, you know, with, with claims today, with dreaded disease, there are over 63 different types of claims hmm. that you can get. And, and, yeah. and if, you, if you're looking at dreaded disease particularly, there is a whole lots of, uh, of, of illnesses that goes with it. Yeah. But there's yeah. a four major things that you look at, your heart attack, your stroke, your, your cancer, and, mm-hmm. and your, your paralysis and your open heart surgeries. Those are the big, the big four, they call it. You know? Sure. So I think moving on then, um, notwithstanding disclosure, insurance companies normally send the applicant a mandatory blood sugar and, uh, 
cotinine test, cotinine yeah. test mm. before issuing a policy. So any existing conditions should have been picked up. The onus is upon the insurer to accept, amend terms and conditions or deny acceptance of the policy. Studies have proven that quitting smoking returns the lung function to normal after a certain period. Why doesn't the insurer lower premiums but you are expected to notify the broker if you take up smoking thereafter in order to load the policy? Mm. Yeah, I think that's like the petrol price. <laughs> No, you see that they, if we come to our loading, um, we have cases where a client uh, uh, was loaded and it was, uh, and later it was given to them at a standard rate. The load was taken out because obviously if your health has changed and if you can prove that your health has changed, it's not a problem for any yeah. insurer to look yeah. at it and say, listen, we can revisit your yeah. case and we will reduce your premiums. Yeah. Here's a question. I'm from Joburg. I signed up for my insurance policy at the age of 28. I'm a non-smoker. After two years, I developed high blood pressure. Ten years later, my one kidney was diagnosed and was um, as the cause of my high blood pressure. I had to remove my one kidney, but my broker mentioned that I cannot claim for my loss of my organ. This was in 2007. Do I have... Uh, do I have a case to claim for loss of an organ, even though this happened in 2007? Okay, look, him, in this particular case, I don't know whether he had actually spoken to his broker previously, but if he would like to try and get hold of his broker, normally it's a three-year situation that some of us go through. Mm-hmm. And But if he can get hold of his broker and, and, and say that, you know, I did give you this case before maybe he can send it to the ombudsman and let them uh, look at it from there from his point now mm. and, and 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 give them uh, more information as to why it was not paid at the previous century sure you know? this is interesting and i wonder i wonder if you can answer this but it's it's something that that, that would need some sort of uh, uh research i think when a person does not have a smart id but only the green barcoded id will the insurance company pay out the policy or a smart ID is only necessary to effect payments. That's from Roshinam Kumas. No, you can have a normal green book ID yeah. for yeah. because we use that all that the time. That would qualify. Some of them don't even have the, the card uh, ID right. at the moment. Uh, hi there, an absolute eye-opener. In time of making a policy, one discloses all relevant health screening and uh, you know passes it. But what period of time before one should be screened again in an on ongoing basis just to prevent this in keeping to update your uh, uh, policy. Very informative program, says mm-hmm. Mrs. Nirmala Devi Mudli. How often should you update? Look, you know, uh, with the insurance contract, uh, once you have applied for a contract now and if you had disclosed your health, if till the time that you apply for a new contract, then you do a new uh, application. So up till that time, there's not a big problem for you to worry about as long as you disclosed all the relevant information that was requested. Yeah. It's simple as that. Yeah. So when you do a new new application, you then you're free. But if your broker is seeing you on on a year-to-year basis, which is normal, and and, and many of us, I, I think, Clients must get used to the idea of contacting the broker in a year to day. Like, how are you going to see your doctor? You know, year to year, I'm going to do a normal yeah. checkup. Suppose you speak to your broker because the broker is very busy at times. Yeah. And then he might not see you, you know, in a year to year. This is a very sad text that came through. A consultant told, said to a friend of mine, don't worry to say his, all his medical conditions. Put everything is okay just to get the sale. That is that, that is, is fraudulent. Completely wrong. Yeah. That's completely yeah. wrong. Uh, I think a final one then. Please explain life and dreaded disease insurance. Is there a time frame in terms of dreaded cover? Suppose the cover is until 2019. What happens to the amount paid over the years and no claim? Is the premium paid refundable? 
from Shana. No, not that I know of. But yeah. the thing is, did did the client take out a term cover? You know, and I didn't, haven't seen a, a term cover cover on those uh, dreaded disease. Yeah, I think a very quick okay. one now. Uh, why did the insurance company look at blood results? And uh, this tells me they were looking for reasons not to pay. Uh, if they knew about the non-disclosure prior, why did they not advise the insured of cancel uh, or cancel the policy? Why is blood results so important? Because it gives blood results are very important. It actually gives us a lot of uh, lots yeah. of information to the underwriter. Yeah, you see, so through through bloods today they can pick up uh, your heart problems. They can pick up your sugar problem, your your your, yeah. your, your high blood pressure. Yeah. but I think if you were gunned down, why would there be this pressure to get the blood results? Surely, you know, one can ascertain that that was cause of death. Yeah. Like or I is said, it a documentation? On, yeah. on merits, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, we wouldn't be able to answer right. that. Yeah. Well, Mr. Anwar Khan, thanks so much for the information you brought Thank through. You really welcome. appreciate it. Thank you very much. So this broadcast came away courtesy of the team executive producer Selma Patel and Rachel Vadi. Back between 1 and 2 tomorrow from Meet Aresh. Hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM. Powered by SABC News.